0: You know, start thinking seriously. I can't just jump into everything and go, let's see how this goes. Um, I had to start thinking about, yeah, where I'm headed. You're going to be a little more tactical about it, right? Correct. Yep. However, I reflected on everything that I had done. And with no regrets, everything that I've done has been successful. So I knew within myself... it's like, well, okay, you can be good at something. What is it? And it just fell back to I love running Mm. and I love coaching and the interaction of it. Mm. And so I knew when I came back, that's where I was going.
1: Welcome to episode two of Paper Fox Radio. First up, thank you for your patience uh, in getting this one out. I've been struggling to find my rhythm to make the time to get back into the studio amongst all of my other uh, life's goings on. But here we are. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me. Secondly, you'll have to excuse the audio quality of this intro. Uh, In short, I am sitting here in the front seat of our car. It's about eight quarter past eight at night on our little street uh, talking through my Apple headset I just didn't want to delay the um, release of this episode any longer no excuses just get it done done is better than perfect so just bear with me on this one what I'd really love if anyone out there listening to this has some studio space or access to a soundproof space that would be great for podcasting please hit me up Ideally, it needs to be in Sydney, so that's where I live. I recorded this episode in early January, just after we'd got home from New Zealand, from our Christmas holidays, and at the time, Australia was still very much on fire. On that last day, we were in New Zealand. I'd been for a run in the hills, and Sam and Scout and I were sitting on the beach, looking up at the sky, and we saw this halo around the morning sun and quickly realized that it was the smoke haze from the fires that had blown across thousands of kilometers across the Tasman Sea and now had started to affect New Zealand. It was this really ominous reminder of the scale and the impact of these fires and what we were going home to and we live in the city It was hard to breathe and it was super uncomfortable. We had nothing compared to what the people, the families, the businesses, the livelihoods that had been affected at the actual fire fronts. So I'm not pretending like we had it super bad. It was just this really dark time to think about it. And, you know, our Prime Minister, he was doing nothing to even make you feel like you are safe or your future had some sort of hope. These are people that we elect into power. For my mind, we look up to. But it got me thinking about 2020 and my life and my career and what more can I do with my two hands and where can my energy be better spent for actual positive change in this world. Now, I don't expect that that means that I'm going to go and save the world like that's unrealistic but like where can i be channeling my energy to do good and to make a positive impact on this world i don't have the answer yet but i'm working towards it on to today's guest gary mullins he is the head coach and founder of trt running he's one of the best most respected and successful running coaches in and around sydney He's represented Australia at the marathon and ultra distances. Now, for those people who don't know what the ultras are, it's anything over 45 kilometers up till crazy. So, he's a pretty handy runner. Gary coaches all age groups and abilities, and his athletes are now regulars on the podiums across track, road, and trail event, which says... A massive amount to the coaching staff with TRT and their ability to train people across all those disciplines. Gary's a coach, he's a mentor to a number of people, and he's a bloody good friend of mine. I'll leave you with this conversation from January with Gary Mullins. Welcome
0: Gary. Hi, Az. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. Yeah, really good. Thank you for having me on. No worries, man. No worries. How's your day been? Uh, Started with a 38k run this morning with the group out at Hornsby. Um, Nice and cruisy. Not a lot of smoke Mm -hmm. from all the bushfires that we've had. So it was good. Good start. General start for a Sunday for me. The smoke's come through
1: now though, hey? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. not good. No. Um, So how I noticed you didn't wear any shoes today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't have pants on as well. (laughs) So <laughs> that's, that's, why <laughs> that's why this isn't a video production. No, my the 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 trial was rocky this morning, and before I came here, my feet just said to me, uh, "I don't want to be in shoes," so I listened to my feet. Um, it's where the soul of the earth comes up through the body. As right, mm-hmm. right. What sort
1: of shoes would you be wearing usually? Uh, running shoes. Okay. Any particular brand? <laughs> nah, not really. Okay. Eighty percent chance Nike. Okay, I just got myself a new pair.
0: Oh, good. What?
1: Uh, the Terra Tigers like? um, Trail Trail Five. Nice. Just a change up from the Mizuno's for. Nice. I've noticed
0: you're running consistently. It's really good. Thank you. It's Thank a you. A few of us very happy to see that.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Well, it's been um, it's been a. Uh, well, we might as well get into this now. It's just been. Um, trying to get some consistency back and really not putting any more pressure on myself to achieve anything. The only thing I want to do each day is get out the door and go for a run. Mm. Um, Because I notice, um, there's this idea of a thing called foundational habits. And if I look at what actually makes me happy and what makes me healthy, things like something simple for me, just getting out the door and going for a run and not putting any pressure on myself has this flow on effect of all these positive things which happen in my day so it makes me eat better makes me sleep a hell of a lot better makes me somewhat more of a reasonable person to be around um (laughs) (laughs) every (laughs) same yeah everybody wins so um it's been really good um and having just my only my only thing is running every day and for a minimum of 30 minutes a day and it doesn't matter how slow i go it doesn't matter what I do. I can be 30 minutes on a treadmill, 30 minutes down the beach, doesn't matter. I just want to get out the door for 30 minutes because I find at 30 minutes, that's the point of where it starts to feel like work for me. Yeah. And once I get to that point, I know I've had a workout and I can be happy
0: about that, so. Yeah. Well, running, uh, use the word foundation, um, and that with running, whether you just want to be a social runner or enter races, that's the key thing without a foundation there's nothing so we always say to our runners new runners or runners coming back from injury a long time off it's like you've got to build that foundation over a 8 to 10 week period to actually before you start looking at races or what you want to achieve from it but it's all also good for the soul yep
1: yeah, definitely definitely feeling a lot better hey mm, um, good and yeah, just with uh, like I said at the start, there's there's been a lot go through. You know, you know, you know us, so you know there's been a lot on our plate the last couple of years. And for those that don't know, as just doesn't stop. Yeah, it's amazing. Thanks. Yeah,
0: it's really good. It's, and Sam.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty chaotic.
0: Yeah. Um, but that that's a good thing, I think. Yeah, I don't. As long as it's manageable, it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into the podcast. There eh? are no second chances in life. No, mate, don't start with that. Don't start with that. No, um,
1: who was I talking to the other day um, about stoicism and this idea of like reminding yourself on a daily basis that we're all going to die. You only get one shot at it, and that there's this idea that you're living you're living each day with they say live each day with like death at your shoulder or something to that effect. Meaning that it's always there, you don't get complacent and you're just yeah. making the most of every moment. So
0: Absolutely, I, I'm a big believer of that. Um, we, everybody needs to take time out for themselves at some point point. Um, and I've seen you and Sam both do that really, really well. Um, we are talking today, because with all the bushfires, a lot of the trials, especially in New South Wales and Victoria, have been wiped out. So there'll be a lot of races cancelled mm. this year. And I was saying, someone said, where are we going to run? It's like, we are so close to other parts of the world. And I know financial comes into it, but maybe this is a chance to get out of doing the same races mm-hmm. year in and year out that everyone does, go and explore the world. See, see other stuff, you can go to Japan okay, for $400 flights, accommodation is like a little bit expensive but the food is cheap and the races are cheap and you've seen another country and an how good is that experience
1: yeah I I'm a bit the same as you like I don't know how people turn up and do the same races over and over again like and that's one of the reasons why I don't have anything um, lined up yet because I'm actually looking at stuff that really lights me up and gets me excited
0: um, anyway yeah I will touch on that yeah. I'm sure during the um, podcast, something with the TRT group. We are a little bit different in the way we think about our races and how we want to go about them and what we want to achieve. And someone quoted, you know, to me the other day, "Oh, we looked as tree huggers." The tree hugger quote was because we do a lot of trial and we haven't always been like that. Mm. Um, but you know, we do have a lot of trail runners now, but it's not a bad thing because if you're hugging out there, hugging a tree, you're in touch with environment. Yeah. Um, I hugged a tree this morning. That's it. We were running past this red gum tree and another girl, Kath and I, we Is just moved it. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and she ran up and touched it. I just ran up and hugged it. It, yep. it was, it was a sigh. It was beautiful. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs>
1: That's all good. Good. <laughs> um, yeah. I imagine you were a pretty active child. Is that true?
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I was youngest child, uh, but my brother's closest brother was six years older than me. So, you know, obviously a lot of the stuff that I did was like by myself as a kid. So I had to, you know, invent stuff with my Lego and what I found instead of Building things out of Lego, I would play. I remember I'd sit in my bedroom. I'd be like five years of age. And the little Lego man, I'd pull the head off. And that was the soccer ball. And I'd have like the Lego blocks set up as soccer players. And I'd be like, you know. And that led me into, I remember watching my first Olympics. um, Would have been when I was four, five, um, on TV. And sport was just nonstop for me. Um, and through from the age of five, six, right through my teens. And I've played rugby league, rugby union, uh, AFL, football, and indoor cricket, outdoor cricket, darts. And before you say it, yes, darts is a sport. <laughs> I've had this debate with a lot of uh, people. Uh, <laughs> uh, squash, tennis. All at a competition level. Right. And I'm actually pretty proud of that because I just got out there and I wasn't the most gifted yep. athlete at ball games. Yeah. But the one sport I was okay at was just running. Right. And what um, what do you want to be when you grew up? Marathoner. Really? Yeah. 80, 82 uh, Commonwealth Games watching Deke. Um, Robert De Castella just run down the Ethiopian, and I was hooked on running. Wow. Wow. So right from a young age. Yes.
1: Holy moly. Um, so then I guess who did you look up
0: to? Robert De Castella. Uh, then it became Steve Monagetti. Wow. They were the two guys that I just looked at. They were they were the marathoners, um, you know, that people looked up to and. To me, they were amazing. So for people who might not know who Steve Monagetti is, who's Steve Uh Steve Monagetti's is a four-time Olympian. Uh, one, he's run, I don't know how many times he's run sub, two hours and 10, um, but he's three or four. Uh, never won medals at Olympics. Just top runner, still running. The amazing thing with Monagetti is he's, he's approaching 60 and he's still out there and he's running 10 ks still in 33 34 minutes 10k's yeah he's 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 a beast local local and Australian yeah, Ballarat. Yeah, yeah an Australian legend yeah absolutely him and deeks and funny enough i i've met robert de castella briefly at one of his bakeries he owns bakeries down around canberra and another guy that I, that i looked up to and this will evolve over like how when we get to coaching was Phil Jackson, who was the head coach of Chicago Bulls. The Phil Jackson. Yeah. Rock and roll. Yeah. Um, through their two, three peats that they did back in the 90s. Oh, yeah. 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 So
1: you worked at a pub, at your dad's pub. Yeah. Is that correct? Correct. And then
0: then you are in finance for a while. Yeah. So I... L- I uh, didn't make it to, I got to the end of year 11 Yep. and I actually decided that I didn't want to finish school. Um, so I left home and went across to Western Australia, but I forgot to tell mum and dad that I was doing that. So did you run away? Was that a runaway? No. You don't why, call why it. was in? it running away? It was like chasing my dreams. Right. So what was your dream? <laughs> Um, had no idea. Right. I got on a bus and yeah, I went over there and rang them. It was a three, four day, they were away skiing. And so they didn't know. Right. And I rang them and went, oh, I'm not going to year 12. I'm in Western Australia. Wow. So they supported that. Um, I worked at Hungry Jacks and so I was still 17. Mm. Worked at Hungry Jacks and went to Leonora. And lived in the back of a caravan at the back of a butcher's and worked in the butcher's for three months. Wow! Yeah. Then I hitched from Leonora across to South Australia. Were you by yourself? Yeah. Wow. It was the late eighties. You did that? No, no. It's not the prospect of like thank God I didn't go through Bangalore State Forest. That's just a a story.
1: Just a um, yeah. It's just you know still very young. In pretty naive, moment. yeah. no idea like I had no idea about life yeah
0: we don't at that age we think we do yeah um, but it, it, you know no regrets I enjoyed it loved it so what was in South Australia for you oh, nothing I just went there and um, revealing my horrible past but I ended up being arrested because I, I fell in with the wrong people and got into a fight and rested and that was when nah I need to go back home now so I had one night in like a juvenile you detention centre. You, so you were in juvie? Yeah. I always joked to people about that I was in juvie, but um never actually spent any time in juvie. <laughs> yeah, I did. Awesome. One night. Um, and again, it's just, it's life, yeah? Like, it's funny the way things happen. And I came back... To Sydney? Sydney, yep. and I got a job at CBA. And... I was there for five years, so it was like five days a week at the CBA and usually three to four nights at my dad's hotel. Working. Right, busy man. Yeah. And then and then up to the Gold Coast. Yeah, so yeah. I went from CBA, had 12 months at Lendlease, and that's where I met my lovely wife, Anna. Right. And her uncle was opening up a business on the Gold Coast, video store. Okay. And we were like, yeah, let's go. So it was the video, so it was it Blockbuster? No, at the time it was Movies For You. Right. Um, and my journey up there, so uh, it was a good lifestyle. We lived at Main Beach, you know, one bedroom apartment. And we would wake up at 10 o'clock, walk out 100 meters across to the beach, go for a swim, walk, Beautiful. come back have breakfast, and then get ready for work at one thirty, and be at work at three. She managed one store, I managed another one, and we would finish at midnight, and I would pick Anna up, then we'd go into Surface, usually to Charlie's, which was a institutional place, a bit like Macy's, um, in Neutral Bay. Oh, Macy's, Macy's. Yeah, 24 hour, yeah, yeah, 24 hour coffee. And we'd go there and we'd drink till two o'clock, so we'd have two hours of drinks. Sometimes we'd order four drinks at one fifty five, so that were all there. These are coffees.
1: No, no, alcohol. Alcohol. Right, right, right. I was 23,
0: 24. I was going to say. 23. Because Macy's is
1: a coffee shop, right?
0: Oh, they sell alcohol. Do they? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah.
1: it shows what I know. I haven't been in there since a long time ago. Yeah. And it wasn't to get alcohol, it was to get coffee. Coffee, yeah. But. yeah, and
0: we'd get home at 2.30, 3 o'clock, wake up at 10, and we did that for 18 months. Yep. And then there was an opportunity for us to buy into the franchise, so we did. And I went into it with my brother and my parents. And that time... Again, I've always been that type of guy. I like to do things my way. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily a good thing, um, but when you're 24, you you're like, mm, no, I don't agree with. You don't know what any better either, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, so I had 18 months there, and I turned around and said, Ah, oh, look, this is not for me. It's not what I want to do. Um, so I got bought out and went into franchising, uh, worked for a company called Allied Brands who owned Baskin Robbins and they brought in Mr. Donut, which was a Japanese franchise. Um, and the next two years I rolled with that and I bought our first property and just rolled with that. I ended up in Japan for 30 days. Going to Donut College. <laughs> I'm serious. It seems a
1: long way away from running marathons. Uh, it was. Yeah. What yeah. Uh, What did you weigh back at
0: Donut College? No. Well, I kept running, so kind of bypassed the whole running. So I, I was really fit up until um, we moved to the Gold Coast. Uh, there was one point when I was 21. Um, I was training for gladi- Gladiators. Remember that movie? Um, the TV show? Like, yeah, gladiators, yeah. are you ready? Yeah, so you, what were you going to be yeah. one of the pimps on it? Or were you going to... No, I was a contestant. A contestant? Yeah. Rock and roll. And then three months before I was to be on it, they cancelled the show. Uh... So my training, I, I was playing cricket, I was playing AFL, I was running to work, I was... Going to the gym four days a week, swimming twice a week. It, it was just me, just getting out there, go and run ten k's and you know, races and run whatever times in them. And you're doing, you're doing pretty competitively in the races at that yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just fit, young, enjoyed life, work hard. That's yeah. pretty much what I was doing. And we did the same when we went to the Gold Coast, but. W- own business, um, and as parents, they bought a coffee shop which they ran successfully for ten years while we are up there. So there was involvement in that. Uh, the video store we originally did, and then I went into franchising and ended up managing director um, of Mr. Donut in Australia because the Japanese franchise and the Australian franchise split. Um, so. I was managing director there for 18 months. Um, and you just get into a lifestyle where it's like working hard and then never been a, not a big drinker. Mm. But Anna and I would go to this place, Ashmore Seafood Steakhouse, near where we lived. And we'd get there on a Friday night at eight o'clock. And, you know, you go there and you eat, have four or five drinks. Do it again on a Saturday. The house we had, we had a beautiful house up there with big pool. So the nieces and nephews would come over and, you know, you'd be sitting around and a couple of beers with your parents or your brother. So life just kind of went by. Yeah. And after franchising, my brother came to me and said, do you want to buy back into the business? Because my dad wanted to get out. And so... I laid down a few terms and went, yep, this is what we need to do. And that's when we became Blockbuster. Right, and And so what year is this, sorry? uh, it Would have been 2001, 2002. So we moved up in 1996. Okay. And at that time, that's when DVD started coming out. And it was very successful for us. Uh, We had an awesome four years, but we recognized there was a change happening as well. So we decided to get out. So what change was that? direct to retail, and also video on demand through Foxtel. Right, Um, And if you have a look at it, so that was, we recognised that in 2005. Pretty much by 2015, three quarters of the DVD stores in Australia had closed down. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's good that you could,
1: it's bad and it's good, but it's it's good that you had that foresight, right? You could see it happening and stuff, right?
0: Yeah. So we got out, we did lose a bit of money. And at that time, and I'm like, "Mm, let's move back to Sydney. And, but whilst I was up there, so I had those five years of not doing much running, Mm. and I got back into a running mate of mine said, come and do a 10K up in Brisbane with me. So went, yep, cool, went up to Brisbane, and was pretty much, yeah, okay, this is what I need to be getting back into. Mm. Need to get back to how I was. Five years ago.
1: Yeah. How was your mental state um, before you got back into the running?
0: Um, oh, good question.
1: Because it sounds like you were pretty busy, right?
0: Yeah, I, I, I've always been that type of guy. I keep myself busy. Yeah. Um, I don't think about a lot of things. That's in the moment. I just like keep going. Um, I have my plan. One thing I do every year is I write five things down I want to achieve Mm -hmm. out of the year. And I've done that since I was 24. Nice. And every year I've ticked those boxes. Wow. Except once over a two year period and that was Anna and I having children. That never happened. And it just taught me, I put those five things down. They go into my book and away I go. So, how did
1: you get from, how did you get into coaching? Because you became a PT, a personal trainer, didn't you? Correct.
0: So, 2005, I knew I needed a change. Like, I'd been working in franchising and indoors. I was missing being outdoors and being involved in sport. Mm -hmm. It's always been my thing. I love sport. I, you know, just a uh, week ago or two weeks ago the world championships the darts are on right? and I'd be waking up at 6.30 every morning to watch an hour and a half or two hours and if I couldn't, I'd be watching it that night, it doesn't matter what it is I love, love it my brother and I used to race ants on our back, <laughs> backyard veranda, we p- had these little ditches in it, had these little ditches in our veranda and we'd the ants up and put the ants in and laid, raise them
1: what what did you use? Uh, did you use beta or anything? Or like what no, was the they, they had to
0: run to that end. So if the ant went to turn around or come out. We'd have to push it back into the
1: right. <laughs> nice. So, two
0: thousand and five, I started looking around to do something different. So it was like I looked at PT. It looked easy. All you had to do pretty much was you know go and do a course, and. Then get people fit, and it was easy. So I, oh, I didn't waste. But I thought about it for two years. But it, we had to come back to Sydney first. Mm. So I came back to Sydney, and I got back into corporate for six months, and quickly realised it's like no way, this isn't me. It's yep. you know. So when I did my Cert Three and Cert Four.
1: And, and that, sorry, that's in coaching, no? PT, 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 right? PT, yep.
0: Yeah. And so I was getting fit by then as well. So I'd had two years of slowly, you know, building my mileage back up and mm-hmm. going to the gym and swimming. And life was pretty chilled. Mm. And so I remember finished my course, and. It was about a week after there was an email that came through and they were looking for someone as an e-coach, an, an e? online coach okay. for, to teach Cert 3, Cert 4 personal training.
2: Right.
0: I went, looked at what was required and I'm like, yeah, I can do that. So I applied and I hadn't heard anything. And it was Christmas Eve, again, Christmas Eve, and I'm driving back past And I thought, I'm just gonna pull up, go in, and see where the job's at. So I walked in, and they said, oh, the lady's away. Uh, She won't be back until the new year. We'll contact you then. Okay, It's the first one they contacted, they asked me a lot of questions. Why you don't, you know, you're only new to this. What skills do you bring? Gave them my skill set. And a week later, I was employed, and we, myself and the two others, developed the online coaching system for Cert Three, Cert Four for Australian Institute of Not Sport. Um, They called it AIS. I'm going to. Mm. It was Network Fitness anyway under their own umbrella, and again. Through that, just meeting the type of people that have major influences on what you do, I that was recognized as the best educational um, group for personal training at the time. Right, right. And the people that worked in there, Michael Champion, Groundbreaking through fitness through the late '70s and the '80s, and his name was Michael Champion. Yeah, Handy. Michael America. Sorry, Michael, Michael America. No, Michael Champion. Michael America is another guy. Michael Champion is. His There's name. a guy called Michael Champion. Yep, yeah, and his daughter, wife's name's Lisa Champion. Amazing. Yeah, and they were dead set leaders through the fitness industry through You'd the have '80s, to be. '90s. Yeah, You'd have to be, and. You do, again knowledge and learning and during that time I was running again and um, out PT and people saying oh, I'm looking at running 5k 10k it's like yep yeah, okay let's let me coach you right. that's how it all began
1: it seems pretty smooth sailing after the blockbuster um, after the blockbuster transition into PT
0: it was yeah what I been pretty well self-employed since I was 23. Back then, I, I changed direction, whatever, you know. there. I remember I had a mentor up on the Gold Coast, Jenny Graham, who was my boss's wife from Allied Brands. And we'd catch up every five, six weeks. And she drew on a whiteboard, and she drew a straight path, and then she drew one through country fields and, you know, windy and twisted. Mm-hmm. And she asked me, she said, which route do you prefer? I'm going, give me the windy and twisty one any day. Mm-hmm. Who just wants to go straight and easy and like, you know, monotone and just, no thanks. i like, that's how I've been. I'm, you're going to do something, you do it. Yep. Just get out there and do it. Don't be scared.
1: And what about... How much thinking did you actually apply? Because I know for me, like I'm thinking, I, my, um, I overthink things to the max. Um, and I know I spin my wheels about things, but how much do you, How much did you think about moving into PT or did it just seem pretty
0: natural? It just seemed natural yep. to me. Um, probably spent three, four weeks looking for something to do in terms of what excites me. And it was like, getting people fit actually excites me. It'd mm. be a cool thing. It wasn't easy work. Uh, you're up at 5, first client's at five thirty six, yeah. 6, and you have a period till 10, 11. Then you're back. You get an hour's break and then lunchtime, and then you're back, and you can be working through till 8, 9 o'clock. And you don't see many rich PTs. So I quickly learn, it's like, right, how am I going to... Not successful. Don't like using the word successful with myself. And I'm not driven by money. I never have been.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But it's like, well, how am I going to make what I do a career? Mm -hmm. And at the time, it was PT and... Then the coaching side as well.
1: So coaching, you're talking about running coaching? Correct.
0: But, yeah. So my first gig coaching mm-hmm. was with Kentoo. Yep. Back in 2007. So I've been doing just personal clients on the side for a bit.
1: So Kentoo, can you give us a really quick rundown on who Kentoo are just mm-hmm. for the listeners' benefit?
0: Uh, awesome organisation who raise, uh, they'll go out and they Run half marathons, marathons, short trails up to twenty-two k's. Mm-hmm. They've been around, I reckon, fourteen years now. And try—I know the lady's first name, Annie. I'm—I'm I'm bad with names. Yep. Apologies. But she has created this awesome foundation where people overcome their own fears and challenges. Within themselves, whilst they're also overcoming sorrow through either being cancer victims themselves or losing people through cancer, mm-hmm. and it's just an amazing organisation and charity. And I was real; I was involved with them for three years, and it was a lot of fun. And with anything you say this to anyone, you go into something to try and get a purpose, or you create a purpose, and you've got to be patient about it. You need to get out of it what you need. And once you're not doing that, once you realize, "Eh, there's nothing more I can learn here, then you kind of got to look at, well, okay, where do I go next? Mm -hmm. So I did that up to 2010. And as with the Gary back then, I'm not going to say I was a workaholic, but it was just like, yeah, let's do this. So for three years, I was working at the um, AIS network, um, fitness network, the e-coaches, and I so, developed, so they helped <coughs> me in developing my presentation skills I a lot of money because you'd be lecturing for yep. twice a day, three hours. I'd be doing weekends as well. Right. Uh, so I learned a lot about using your eyes and your hands and controlling in an environment. And that works really well most of the time mm. in coaching sessions. Mm-hmm. And through that, I was getting up at 5am, going to do PT, then working six to seven hours institute and then on the side for 18 months, a mate suggested that we open a small wine bar because that was when they were starting to issue issue licences for mm-hmm. a small wine bars. So I think we had like the third or fourth in Sydney, which was at Berkeley Books in Leichhardt. And we ran that for 18 months. And what I learned out of that is you can't keep working 18 hours a day. <laughs> For two years, yeah, and I burnt out mentally. I got burnt out. Um, my running wasn't going anywhere. My PT business and coaching was progressing really well, but you're not giving anything back to yourself. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'd imagine that would that would wear you down pretty quickly. I'm surprised mm-hmm. you even lasted two years doing that sort of stuff got good endurance how are you? how were your relationships and stuff at that time like with Anna and things really good Anna's
0: like so supportive in yeah. everything I do and when I kind of blew out she said why don't you go away for a weekend so I went away for a weekend and came back and I went nah I need to take myself out of society I look at life getting a bit deep here, but Go for it. people are on a travel later and everyone just goes that same route every day. Mm-hmm. I remember a conversation I had with a PT client and I said, if we put trackers on everyone, we'd be like ants. We'd be that same route. For sure. Day in, day Like
1: out. that Strava
0: heat map thing. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've never been like that. I've always looking to improve myself or how can I be different to normal society? I just, mm. we mentioned it before, one life. yeah. So I want to make the most of it. So basically I packed up, went to Nepal for five months <laughs> and how would, without taking up too much time, so I fell in with a guy that had spent two years here in Australia and he had his own story which was inspiring And I did three months volunteer work at a kid's school. And then it took me eight weeks to kind of untangle all the muscles and become normal. And three months volunteering and then another two months to, I'm not going to say find myself, but it was like, where am I going? Mm -hmm. What am I doing now? Like, let's be serious. I'm 35. Mm. So I've got to... You know, start thinking seriously. I can't just jump into everything and go, let's see how this goes. Um, I had to start thinking about, yeah, where I'm headed. You're going to be a little more tactical about it, right? Correct. Yep. However, I reflected on everything that I had done. And with no regrets, everything that I've done has been successful. So I knew within myself... That it's like, well, okay, you can be good at something. What is it? And it just fell back to I love running. Mm. And I love coaching it and the interaction of it. Mm. And so I knew when I came back, that's where I was going.
1: So that was the beginning of TRT, is that correct? Uh, back then,
0: well, it took two years to get yeah. there. you yeah. had to be tactful. Yeah, It was like I started picking up more clients. Mm-hmm and was doing the PT work. And in 2012, with three runners, started what we called runninggroups.com. Right, okay. And 2016, uh, Michelle came along and you said founder of TRT. founder of Running Groups, but it was Michelle and I that kind of went, yeah. Yep. Co-founded TRT. Yep. And... Fast forward four years, and we're going strong.
1: So let's let's talk about TRT now, Sure. and maybe um, talk about uh, the team around you, mm-hmm. like Michelle and the mm-hmm. other coaches that you've got going. Yeah. What does TRT stand for? Track, road, trail. And what's different about TRT? Like, what's how's your? I know from my own personal experience, but how would you describe? TRTs um being different to some of the other running groups that are around and what could people expect when they come and maybe you know join in a run with TRT
0: or get some coaching through TRT so it's a really good question and it was something that I was asking myself where like six months ago where are we because running groups when I first started it was running groups mm. with coaching. And that progressed and you know, kept growing, kept growing. And then when we trained when we changed the name to TRT, I still looked at ourselves as a social running group that did coaching on the side. Then Michelle became a coach. With the coach, so what I look in coaches, I know I'm diverse in here, but it's okay. It was like, well, I can't keep coaching all these people, so I need coaches. Scale, yeah. So Michelle had awesome experience. Yeah. So I asked her to be a coach. She accepted. Uh, then I asked Jenny Morris. Yep. Um, who, 25 years in the police force, you know, is disciplined Oh yeah. And through her, I've been coaching her for two years, and she has one of the biggest hearts out there. And I just thought experience, you know what it takes, you've run all distances you'd actually make a good coach and she was surprised that I asked her but then Jodie Mullins, same sort of thing Mm -hmm. and then Mario and we've also got Orla um, O'Leary who's in Ireland who was our first international coach so So all of a sudden we had five coaches Yeah. and We've still got our groups. There's Mon Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, we've got training sessions. Mm. But somewhere along the line, we were s- stopped being seen externally as a social running group to a professional coaching group. And that took me by surprise. Like, when did that happen? Mm. Because you come to our sessions and we're just still the normal people, full of banter, full of laughs. Yep. We get in there, we train, we support each other. Um, we don't take ourselves seriously, but each individual is serious about their own goals and what they want to achieve.
1: I know from from my point of view, um, I think it just comes like you've created... like There's so many runners... Um, that I know that have come through TRT that are running with TRT that have gone on to do really amazing things like crazy distances or just you know personal bests and stuff like that and really committed people and transformative I'd call it and with that comes like this holy shit like this is a group that will help you become a better runner and stronger and stuff so maybe but it's more than that. Yeah, I know, but like you know what I mean. It's almost a, it's almost a curse to the whole community side of things. Yeah. that its its success has been around performance, but
0: it's more than that because we take we look at what we do in a holistic approach.
1: Yeah, can you dive? Can you dive into that? Because that's the thing <laughs> I really love about
0: what you're doing. Well. For me, it's just logic. Um, When are we going to talk about coaching? We need to talk about that. We can talk about that now. Yeah, no. Well, (laughs) it's logic because you can't, as a coach. So let's let's wind back when I first started. And again, it's just something I've always done with myself. Of like, well, if I want to be the best, I've got to research. Who the best coaches are and what mm-hmm. they're doing, got to know a bit of the history um, of running and you know um, what worked for people, what didn't. But I was more interested in coaches than athletes, because coaches have to deal with the everyday struggles and joys of the athletes. Mm-hmm. Most of the athletes only tell you what, you know, if they're written the book. Oh, not going to say they're going to tell it from a coaching perspective can you clarify what that means sorry all right so if you have a coach Mm -hmm. right coach has to be able to identify when that runner rocks up to a session if you're at a tempo session or speed session for me it's an 11 second rule which i learned in franchising it's like have a look at the runner, if you know your runner, you know their eyes, okay, you know how they walk, you know how they carry themselves, watch them run in their warm-up, you know, their stride and their cadence and Mm -hmm. everything like that, right, so a coach has to understand that, and if he sees that your form's off, right, or that there's a little bit of attitude or something like that, it's walking up going, hey, what's wrong, like, you know, yeah, Are you feeling it today or not? Yeah. An athlete, okay, just has to deal with rocking up there and running and thinking that they've got to complete this, you know, no matter what. Right? So when they tell their story, it's like, yeah, I completed it no matter what. But a coach will be able to say, yeah, but you were – and if let's say they had a bad run. coach will say, you were off because your cadence was off. Okay, I could see straight up that your form wasn't there. Okay, or you're a little bit negative today, a proper coach, a real coach for me, understands mm-hmm. all of that. He sees it within the first 11 seconds. And mm-hmm. I learned the 11 second rule in franchising. You should be able to walk into a store, as franchising is everyone being the same. hmm Using your eyes, just look, right, and see the things that are not being done right. it's so a skill that I learned. So you learned that through videos. Videos and then working with Mister Doner Japanese franchise. Wow, Um, and and that's a skill. Yeah, as soon as I started PT and into coaching, it's just a skill I have. That's you know that's what I I do. Coaching. When I started, I wanted to be the best. Well, Mm -hmm. I wanted to be good at what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was researching who are the best coaches over. Back then, it was marathons and half marathons and 10Ks, and there's it an Italian dude called Renato Canova, and I've read every single bit of literature he's written um, or forums that he's been on, and I wanted to understand not the science but how to approach, okay, training athletes mm-hmm. at the road and track level, at the highest level because I, another skill, I just have that, Sense that I can scale it down from a two-hour twenty-marathoner down to a four-hour thirty-marathoner. Mm-hmm. Okay, again, for me, those things are just logic, and they just happen. Because every time I research or read an article, I just make a note. Two thousand one hundred and seventeen research papers or articles on running, not magazines or podcasts or anything like that. That's just knowledge. And it's something that I just applied. I said to myself, I've got to give myself between half an hour to two hours every day to research. This was my uni degree. It was a 10-year degree. I never went to uni. Hmm. Okay. I need to learn about coaching. But one of the things that I realized was learned through my journey so far to get to coaching Applied to mm. what I was doing. That's why I was so fascinated.
1: Like when you said franchising, I was like, surely he didn't pick that up in the video store, but he did. A, yeah,
0: you do. Yeah. It's managing the the ability to manage groups and number of people will, will... I've never been a fan of having 30, 40, 50, 60 people rock up to a session. Mm. Okay, how can you as a coach give that best service... Yeah. When you've got fifty to sixty people running. You can't. Yeah. You need another four or five people. You need the groups broken up. Yeah. Yeah. That that's coaching. Yeah. Okay, you need to be able you've got to be there for your runners. Yeah. That's what they're paying you for.
1: Um, I really enjoyed getting coached by Michelle McAdam um a couple of years ago and I just couldn't get over the level of personal personalization for my requirements. Yeah. Um at the time. And yeah, that you just couldn't do that at scale. Yeah, like you couldn't do that with a hundred runners. Yeah, I really, I really enjoy that about what you guys are doing, and it actually feels like actual coaching. You're actually listening to my needs as a runner and aligning with my goals. Yeah, and also, it's not about. Um, it's it's almost like it's not this this, pardon the pun, not a run sheet of you have to do this 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 and this. It's like okay, how we adjust the sessions to how you are today or how you're feeling this week or what your load's been or how other things in life are affecting you. And that I really, really enjoyed that.
0: Absolutely, coaching is pretty simple. When you've had a fairly good journey of different things as I've been lucky enough to have, you learn different skills and traits. And coaching is about Identifying with the person, right? Anyone can go and write a program. You can go download a mm-hmm. program, okay, off the net and just go and do it. Mm-hmm. But who's who's there to actually go, you need to pull back, right? Or I've got, we've got a lot of women in our group mm-hmm. and it's like a lot of new mums, okay, or parents with three or four kids. It's like, well, we've got this on this weekend and that. Well, we yeah. need to change the programming. And one of the first... Things, again, I learned when I started coaching. So I, I got all of these coaches, I emailed them questions. Half of them would come back. These are these are the people you're actually researching? Absolutely, yeah. yep. And half of them would come back. And I've still got all the notes. And I meant to bring, forgot it, I was going to bring two of my black books and another folder that I've got just to show you Gary's way of, like, you know, educating himself and, yeah. you know, the knowledge. I'd love to because see that. Because this, this, this is... This is my, I don't like to use the word business, but it is, right? And I love what I do, but I've got to give a good service. And sometimes you get feedback where people feel that they're not getting what they mm-hmm. want, right? So you've got to, you can't go, well, you're wrong. It's like, well, okay, a yeah. little bit of looking at yourself. How can I get better? And it's just that continuous thing. But yeah. I would research, write, you know, write to them, send emails out to these guys, hoping to get something back. But one of the first things I realized, and these are with Kenyan runners, Mm. their programs are not set in concrete, right? They're completely different to the way we train, Western style training, completely Mm. different. Right. And we could go into genetics or anything. But when I started researching how they train, again, it was like logical because it's logical because it fits all levels of runners. Mm-hmm. So that just started my path on how I would approach things. And it's like, if you need to rest, take a rest. Yeah. If it doesn't fit in because people work late, you know, or 99% of runners, okay, work, have families, like, you know, you've got to manage running. You've got to you've got to be able to run, but you've got to be healthy, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. Yeah. So how I got into
1: running, yeah, was um, I've always been um, I've always been really active as a kid. Like played a lot of sport as well. Didn't get into darts. Um, Why not? Ah, uh, man. Hand-eye coordination. I'm actually freaking terrible at hand-eye coordination.
0: People think it's not a sport; it's hand-eye yeah, coordination.
1: I used to, I used to be able to catch a tennis ball and stuff, and then I went through puberty, and <laughs> my arms, my arms literally grew a foot overnight. And I was, I remember being in the schoolyard trying to catch a cricket ball, and I tried to catch this cricket ball with my elbows because that's where my hands used to be. Like that yesterday,
0: that's where my hands used to be. Um, do you know what I do? once a fortnight, still. Get a tennis ball, i be inside our unit, and just throw it, right hand up against the wall, catch left hand, left hand up again. Just, keep, keep, I don't know, it's just how. Keeping can... those sides of the brain. Yeah. So, I got
1: really bad alopecia as a kid. And What is alopecia? Alopecia is, um, it's when you lose clumps of your hair.
0: Oh, okay. Like, yeah. yep.
1: fallen bald mm-hmm. spots. But it's not just like, it falls back, it falls out and it grows back. It just is bald. Depending on the levy we get, like there's really extreme versions But I had like clumps of hair falling out. And anyway, so stress stress affects me Mm -hmm. pretty badly. And as a kid, that's how it used to come out. Um, And my mum didn't really know what it was. So she took me to a doctor and the doctor said, you know, you've got this thing, but there's not really anything you can do for it apart from managing your stress and I was a young kid right and throughout all my youth I'd have periods of and it's probably related to just life and hormones and crap like that when you're young and breakups with first girlfriends and shit like that but um, this would come back routinely and I'd have to deal with it and have like big patches of my hair not being so I had a shaved head for a while as a kid but you imagine the sort of impact that would have on you as a kid not good so This doctor said, go for a run, go for a run. And uh, I was like, okay, I wasn't adverse to running because I used to run cross countries and shit at school, but I never ever thought of running as something you did. Like running, and there's a joke somebody said, like running's part of something you do in other sports. It's not (laughs) actually a sport by itself. It's like you and darts. I don't believe that now, but... um, (laughs) So that's how I found really nice running. Thinking. And I used to I used to go I used to run to deal with stress mm. and I think just over years of just being the type of kid that needs to run off steam. it just always like it was always my go-to headspace sort of thing. Um, and that's that's kind of where I'm at again today with it is just like after the really hectic last couple of years we've had is, again, back to that foundational habit. Like, how good do I feel now that I'm back running consistently, which is what we were talking about outside earlier. And that's why I'm running consistently is because I've identified, like, I need to go back to that thing that makes yeah. me feel good yeah. and is ultimately really good for me. But without the added pressure of, I have to be running at a certain speed or, yeah. you know, yeah, so I'm, I'm, managing, I'm managing my own personal expectations on, what uh, what I am going to eventually do with my running, yeah. whatever that is. And at the moment I'm just completely content with just getting out the door and going for a spin each day. And that's enough for me. Yep. And it's working really well.
0: Feeling heaps, heaps better. Yeah, that's good. Everyone has their own reason why they run. Hmm. Um, you know, we've, with- over 700, 800 people over the last 14 years and everyone is different but a lot of it comes down to it actually makes us feel good because of the release of the right hormones within our body Um, we get out there, we're doing something whether it's in a group with friends whether it's solo Mm. you're out there Okay, exercising, any form of exercising works. But for a lot of us, running is the one that we just feel good, we get out. It's a bit of sweat, mm. right? doesn't matter if you move for 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever you're doing. It's, like, it's a therapy, it's a meditation, mm. I feel. When I run, if you asked me, if you said to me, oh, did you see you know, that big new Coles building on the left-hand side? And I'd be like, no. I mm. see nothing. I just run. Yeah. Um, it's For me, it's a, a form of meditation. I just, everything falls out and I'm at one with myself.
1: For those who haven't, uh, that don't know Gary particularly well, you just go into a Strava and check out the speed he's still running around at. <laughs> it's uh, no wonder he doesn't see it. It's kind of like, you know, when they hit light speed in Star Wars and everything <laughs> <Wow>. just turns <laughs> to a blur. Um, yeah. Uh, Thanks, <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's, it's bloody Go impressive.
0: Thanks, mate. But there's a quote. It's very simple. And that's why running is so simple. Shoes on, just run.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You don't need a watch to tell you how fast you're running. Should be what you're feeling with inside yourself. If you can't talk, you know you're running too fast. Yeah, I always run to feel.
1: Yeah. I've never, I've never really listened to. You have to run this hard. Yeah. You know, if I have to do a hard
0: session, I'll run as hard as I can, but I always still run to feel. Perfect. Yeah, I, I think it's the best way to go. Um, one of the challenges of coaching is with all this technology that we have. People can access anything that they want and they read too much into mm. one run opposed to the last, say, six weeks. Mm. And it usually comes down to, well, I only did this pace today. Am I losing fitness or am I? And it's like, no, you had a bad day. And it's, Mm. unfortunately, then that ties back into the psychology of the runner where they, you know, start doubting themselves. Mm. Or if we all took our watches off and just ran, Mm. which... Frustratingly for my coach, I I lost my charger for my watch and I went, oh, I'm just going to run. I normally run with people, so I would just look at their Strava and go, Okay, I ran close enough. Yep, close enough. Yeah. Five, six weeks of no watch. And I'm probably back into one of the best mind spaces of my own running. So this I've is been, recently. Oh yeah. And yeah. uh, like started would have started November. Right. And it was just I was like, ah, oh, couldn't be bothered to order a charge. I'll just run for a, a week or so to like, you know, just to feel and whatever. It's almost like going in a pool again. You know. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It, was. it was. It was like because you just go out and run and if you're doing a session, you know the size of a athletics track, or yeah. if you got regular runs, you just know Yeah. And you're just like running around and it was it was actually quite fun. Yeah. Yeah, so I, and you know, there's athletes out there and they swear by, take your watch off and go for an hour's run. And it's like, well, how do you know if it's an hour? It's like mentally you should be able to get out, walk out the door, look at your time, says one o'clock, right? You've been running that long, you kind of know what one hour is. And it becomes a game then for you. It's like, oh, actually took me 55 minutes. I need to slow down. I want to run. If my watch, sorry, if my clock says 1 p.m., mm-hmm. I want to get back walking in the door at 2 p.m. Yeah. And Craig Alexander, who's an amazing triathlete, um, and he's won Ironman twice. He's dark-headed guy. Correct, yeah. I raced against him at cross-country at school, yeah. actually. And... That was one of the things he did once a week. Yeah. It was like going out for a one-hour run without my watch. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it just... Just just leave the egg timer on at home sort of thing. It releases everything within the mind. It's like, um, you know, yeah. So technology is good, but then I think it's more bad. People won't agree with me, but that's okay.
1: okay this is a good segue into running characters yep um and uh runners come in all shapes and sizes yeah and running attracts a lot of different characters correct you know i you know i've i've run my fair share of races and stuff and <laughs> and also attended running groups and things like that and i'm always amazed at the different shapes and sizes and yeah, the types of characters that um that turn up at a running event. Um and as I've gotten into the longer stuff in the ultras, it seems like the longer the race goes, the weirder the characters are. Oh yeah. It's and then I was thinking about hybrids I was, Yeah. <laughs> I was I was thinking about this. It's almost like that ocean analogy. You know how in the ocean, the deeper you go, you get these really freaking weird, mm. weird ass fishes. Mm. It's like the deeper you go, the weirder the fishes. Yeah. And with running, it's like the further you go, the weirder the characters. Correct.
0: Yeah. It's <laughs> it's something, you know, over the years, you just learned that, you know, you got your 5K, 10K um, up to marathon. And marathon 10 years ago was a Achievement mm. for a lot of people, and it still, it still is. is okay. It yeah. still is. I'm not, you know, I, think we've, I think we've all gotten a bit numb to it. Hey, like, yeah, 40. And this is oh, it's not a problem, but what's happened is the last 10 years, trail running has become more popular. Like, and, why wouldn't it? Why would oh, it? Absolutely, yeah. I wish sure. I could run trail barefooted, it'd be awesome, mm. but and. On trail, like with myself, like if I'm on road or on track, my mind and my mentality is like, it's hard, it's fast. Mm -hmm. That's for me, that's what road is. Mm -hmm. Get onto trail and I just switch off and it's like, whatever. It's just, uh, you're connected to the environment and what's around you. It's beautiful. But people are starting to challenge themselves physically, but also mentally. And yeah, as you you go out, you run fifty k, tick that box, awesome. Oh, I actually feel alright. Can I run further? I, I survived. Yeah. I didn't die. Correct. <laughs> so then, there's an increase in a hundred k's on trial, yeah. right? And people are getting into that, tick that box. Okay, what about you know a hundred mile? Tick that box, but. It doesn't become, there's, there's still that physical challenge. Mm-hmm. I think I would go, it's if you're running consistently over a period of four or five years where you have a good endurance base, right? Your strength's there to run further than 100K. It's how is your mind? Mm-hmm. And the further you go, Right, the people aren't art It's just that they're running those distances for different purposes. Yeah, it, and it's amazing. Like one of the best experiences I had last year was pacing Kai for his two hundred miler, Delirious yeah. West, and Kai's a great athlete over. Distance, yeah. Um, finishing 11th at the World Championship 24 hours um, a month ago, or no, a bit, oh no, well over a month ago. Actually. Yeah, the yeah, time yeah, yeah, goes yeah. fast. Hey? So it does. And, but it all comes down to his mental game, and it is something that he has worked on. Would have been 2016, he tried to make the 100K road team, team and physically he was fine and he will tell you his mind Mm. okay let him down and he has worked bloody hard over that period okay through meditation going to meditation retreats okay just doing the stuff to get Mm. his head right and it's an awesome it's just been such an awesome journey i'm gonna try and talk to him as well oh you, you should yeah it's been such an awesome journey to be part of, mm. um, I don't coach Kai now, but uh, it's still there's that mentor relationship and we have a lot within TRT, we have a lot of that. Mm. It's like, there's a lot of people out there that prefer to just coach themselves, yeah, right? But they still need someone to fall back yeah, on. So you're more and, of an advisor mentor for him? No. Yeah, 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 helping him out. Like, you know, if I have a view on something, yeah, I'll tell him whenever he sees me, he tells me what he's doing in his training. But his journey, and then being part of that two hundred miler, and just watching what he went through, and the second hundred miles was just amazing. It's this guy that was just on a mission, that was like, right, let's get this done. And there was not one moment in that last like twenty four hours where his mind faltered. And I'm not surprised he did so well at the twenty four hour world championships. Yeah, it's just he has that mindset, and people that run those distances, like I said, they're there for a different reason. Yeah. And it's, they do seem weirder, but their purpose and speaking to people on why they do it, it's it's pretty cool to hear some stories. Yeah. And they all have, again, their own different stories on why they're doing it. Yeah. And then there's some people that are just complete bonkers. Yeah, (laughs) a fair share of those as well. Hey,
1: Um, I wanted to talk about um, potential. So there's guys and girls, people in general. You talk spoke about the 11 seconds, right? Mm -hmm. How soon is it between? How soon is it after you've met somebody, a new runner, a new person that you're going to coach, Mm -hmm. that you can kind of say, this person's going to go on and achieve their goals versus this person, you know, may be better suited to do something else. Like, as a coach, can you see that potential in people? Absolutely. Yeah,
0: like from early or? Yeah, from early. Yeah. Um, again, you it's just through experience and taking that time to understand people mm. um, in what they're doing and, Coaching when, sorry, I'm going to cough. Yeah. Let me just have a, sorry folks. See my green water? Green
1: water. TRT branded. Mm -hmm. He drinks branded water, people.
0: (sighs) It's all about TRT. So, coaching is a relationship. You got to get to know that person, Mm -hmm. right? It's like falling in love with a a girl or a guy, whatever. It takes time, Mm -hmm. right? I don't, runner might come up and they might be really fast, whatever fast is in their world. Yep. Um, but there's a lot of factors that you got to look at lifestyle, mental side of it, anything like that. Usually takes, you know, through a runner, through their commitment and dedication and what they want to achieve out three to six months, right? that you might know that they've got something, depending where they are in their life and how old they are. It takes with everyone, it doesn't matter potential or someone starting out wanting to, that can only run 10Ks, that wants to run 100Ks. It takes time, right, to develop that runner. And a lot of my better runners have come from that development process and I read an article recently as an American coach David Roach and I think he said it right it goes it takes about 10 years to get that full okay person developed into the runner that they will be jesus seems a long time a lot of people think oh it's three years four years five years no um all of my all of the quicker runners in TRT, and a lot of people... Maybe stronger runners. Stronger better. I don't know, I'm just Yeah, I'm just stronger. Yeah. Uh, if you have a look at their journeys, it's usually five to eight years that's when they start really, yeah. like, hitting And, into, and that's a consistent practice. And correct. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, there's a lot of things to build up. Mm. Um, I see a lot of potential in like a lot of the um, guys and girls that we've got in our group but it's a patience game Mm. it goes with our pick a purpose be patient about it and trust the process yeah it doesn't
1: it's definitely not saying that you know you can't go out there and become a good runner fairly soon no like but if you're going to reach your full potential
0: it's going to take a hell of a lot longer absolutely yeah absolutely and it's like I'm I'm a very ah I'm a conservative coach. I don't want to push, you know, mm. um, where people want to be. It, it's like they've got to want it themselves. Mm. Um, some coaches will sit down with their athletes and say, "You need to do this and this and this." I don't like to say to athletes, "You need to do this, this, and this." I like to say to athletes, "I actually think you got some potential." you want to know how to get there just come and talk to me or talk to the other coaches you got to want it yourself mm. you can't force anything no and i've learned that you, you you try and lead that horse to water and try and make it drink it, it doesn't it doesn't happen yeah so you you know that that's that's my way they've they've definitely got to want the change yeah, and it, it doesn't suit all athletes
1: what are the common mistakes you see Runners
0: making? Too much, too soon. They're not patient. Right. It's, it's as simple as that. And again, how do I know this? Obviously through my own experience, but to, I call it, so when I first started, I went, if I'd get a runner who's never run before, i go, blank canvas, I can create whatever I want. And I usually do. And then you'll get some runners, okay, that have already got paint on them, so it's a matter of like, well, how do I add to Mm. their picture and make, you know, them stronger and better. Yep. But most runners want too much, too soon. And you see it in a lot of groups, We're really good runners, but do they really reach their potential because usually three months of the year they're injured with stress fractures or pulled muscles or something like that. TRT ways, you know, incorporate strength. Um, Be prepared to adjust your program. Know when to push, know when to pull back. Mm. It's pretty simple, it's logic.
1: Yeah, you guys are are really good with that, hey? Making... um... Ties into life as well. Yeah, exactly. making runners feel comfortable, making the people you coach feel comfortable that it's okay to slow down and ease off and stuff like that because, you know, you do get excited
0: about the goals yeah. that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, it's an educational process where what I like to see is runners being able to go, I pulled back today because, mm. right, I wasn't feeling well, okay, or, you know, didn't have it today. And for me... A lot of so I know through runners that have come over, other groups, if they don't finish a session, it's kind of like they'll put into their program, did not finish session. Mm. Why do you need to put that? Why, why do you need to put a negative tone on that? Yeah. It's like if my runners come to me and say I didn't finish the session today because I was feeling this, it's like, why? Anything happening, what's happening? Okay, yep, yeah, cool, fine. Yeah we don't sessions done we just keep moving with the rest of the program don't like you know what i mean yeah don't punish yourself don't punish yourself
1: yeah it's hardly it's hardly an incentive to actually keep pursuing a like if it starts to feel like too much burden um yeah yeah um on race day Mm -hmm. or on the day of an event you've been working uh closely with your athletes for how long would you like if someone's we use a marathon distance mm-hmm. as an example. You've been working with somebody typically for how long to train up for a marathon? 10 to 14 weeks. Yeah, 10 to 14 16 weeks, weeks, right. Yeah. So you've been putting a lot of work into them and on race day there's very little you can actually do yeah, it's up as to a that. coach. Mm-hmm. So what are, the, what are the sorts of things you're saying to the, what are the sorts of things that you're talking to the runner about on race day before
0: you let them go do their thing? It's like usually starts for me about two weeks Now, some runners don't like to talk about it, which is fine, but I think from about, the less you talk about their race, the better, to start with, and during the process of coaching, so whether they've been with you for 12 months or four years, five years, it's we try to educate our runners, don't worry about the race. If you get 85 to 90% of your program done, and you're at the start line, no niggles or injuries, usually going to be okay. Mm. Like the race will take care of itself sort Correct. of? Correct. You get out there and do what you have to do. Now, again, there's personalities out there that want to know exact splits, mm. that they're supposed to be at certain points and yeah. everything. And that's all right. That's that's their way of doing it. So you help them out with that. Um, you see a lot of runners overthink uh, well before race day and underperform. That's as fear, f- yeah? It's mine. They're mentally done. Yeah. They've raced, they've mentally raced their race at least five or six times before race day. Exhausting. And as soon as they start falling off their play- pace because their watch is going, I'm not sitting on five minute pace, I'm sitting on 510, mm. mentally bang, they're gone. yeah. It's a slippery slope from there. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. And it's, is it an art? Is it a skill? I don't know. But learning to just let go of expectations. and You mean the runner? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The runner, just let go, just go out there and run. And I've seen some amazing results from my athletes when they just get out there and they run and they don't think about it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, how did that happen? It's like, you didn't think about it. Mm. This year, uh, well, sorry, last year, there's uh, no real highlights for me last year except for running a 5K, 10K and half marathon PB at the age of 46, 47. Mm. And it's not a boasting thing. I look back and I, how did I do that? And because I was having a year that was really allow the body to resettle, there was a few other things going on with life, so I kind of knew it was never going to be great. But Mm. I'd go into the race, right? Went into the 5K race, no expectations built into it. Wow, two second PB would be, but it was a PB. And then same with the 10, but the biggest one was in August. Um, My half marathon PB was one hour 14. And I'd been I'd had a cold or something week leading in, and I went for my warm up, and I went, oh, I feel crap, and got to the start line. I was with my good mate Andy, and I said, let's just we'll go out and run. Yes, okay, and it was four laps of the one course, and halfway through, I looked at my watch, and I'm like, wow, I'm averaging this pace. If I keep this up gonna run a pretty decent P B mm-hmm. and I just got stronger from there because it was like I actually you can, moving and you can feel that switch yeah. going on. Yeah. It's just like, oh wow, and end up running one one hour, eleven minutes, twenty eight. Wow. It was like, you know, and just walked off and I was like, oh wow, that was pretty cool. The thing that occurred to me is And um, it was all it was all this. Yeah. Because there there was nothing there I was training for Sydney Marathon at the time so it was just like yeah just go out whatever it's just going to be a longer you know run 21 k's you know I'll pull up alright and that happened it's like wow it's good you seem to have um,
1: an amazing awareness of your own headspace and stuff mm. has
0: that always been with you
1: yeah yeah
0: realist in life do awesome things. Some things aren't that awesome. Um, mm. You just keep moving, and you can't pretend. <laughs> life is life. Mm. Again, go back to that point of one, you know, one opportunity. Mm. Um, I always said I want to sit back in my rocking chair at the age of 60 with my whiskey and smoking my pipe. Okay, looking back and go, yeah, it's been pretty cool. Maybe maybe seventy five eighty now. Yeah, I've lived at that age. Push that back. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's it's a sim- that's a similar way. Um, mm. I, th- I think about th- there's two things. Uh, it's a similar way that I think about. I always reflect back to my grandfather, who was um, a great storyteller, mm. and I still love just listening to him. And f- I don't know why, but I have always thought about I want to be that old and I wanna be able to talk about this. I just wanna tell yeah. stories about the things that I've, not the things that I've done to boast about it, but just to be able to say, I've freaking made the most of this opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah,
0: I, I think that sort of stuff is awesome. And you know, when, when I started getting okay at running, and people say, oh, you're a lead and all that. It's like, I ran my PB's 231 for marathon, which is uh, almost two years ago at the age of 46. I've got time. <laughs> <laughs> heaps of time, heaps. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, you know, at that time, it was like, yeah, that was pretty good. And so... People say, you're elite. And I'm like, no, not really. 159, 202, 203, 204, that's elite. I'm just a semi-elite. But when I started getting okay at marathons and the ultras, I remember saying to Anna, I wish I'd done this, started taking myself a little bit more serious earlier. Mm -hmm. Because I could see the opportunities out there with travel and, you know, especially with travel, starting to become popular. That was at 41, right? Then I hadn't done much international traveling up till then. Then I got to 42, being, let's go through this, through running, whether as an athlete or a coach. And I didn't plan this, it just happened. So I've been to Europe twice. And I've been to Japan four times. I've been to China three times. I've been to the States once. Um, 2018, it was like China, Japan, and Croatia in a period of like seven weeks, eight weeks, mm. which ended up like having yeah, an effect on it it's you're a lot. Busy. Yeah, it was flat out. And I look back at that now, and I'm like, that is actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Nine trips within a seven-year period through the sport that I just have so much passion and love for. Awesome. It's pretty cool. But it's more than just the travel, right? Mm. I go to a race. A race is a race. Every trip that I've been to, I've met athletes. Mm Mm-hmm and coaches, Mm -hmm. right? For me, athletes are great, but meeting coaches is just amazing because they are a bank of knowledge. And there's this lady, Edith, who was uh, back in the 90, it might have been 2001, sorry. She was the 24-hour world champion and also the 100K road world champion and she does coaching and all that seen her four times over the last six years she always remembers my name right straight up and it's just we talk about performances and coaching Okay, Camille Heron who just won the 24 hour world championship 270 kilometers I think she was fourth overall yeah and she was the 100k world champion back in 2015 and won comrades two years ago I seen her at Western States. Uh, went over there with one of our runners to that help was place. Doug. Doug, yeah, and she was there as soon as I saw her. Gary. How are you? And you, you build up these networks. They're not mm. friends, but networks. And for me, as a coach, coaching is about knowledge, yeah, right, and hearing stories, and taking that story. So someone will tell me something and I'll walk away from my phone and I'll make some dot points. Yeah. So I can go back to to it because I can apply. Oh, actually that kind of would apply to as. Yeah. Right? Every and this is the thing with coaching. So we we're talking about the opportunities that it's created, but it's been more than that because it's built up my knowledge and expertise of coaching. Mm-hmm. And Anybody who thinks that you can go out there and write a program and pass that on to a whole bunch of people and it's going to have that same effect for every runner mm. is bullshit. Mm. Every runner is different and they're an individual and that's how you've got to look at coaching. Mm. You can write a general plan and have a general scope of it. Mm-hmm. right? Like a framework. Correct. Yeah. But, however, you need to understand your runner. Mm-hmm. And what will work for them. And sometimes, as a coach, you don't get it right. Yeah, Coaching, for me, people. if you have a look at coaching, football coaches, rugby league coaches, okay, the amount of hours that they put in. Mm. Right? My life has evolved into where it's that sort of thing. Okay. It, it, it's like, it's some periods, during the year, it's seven days, and it's full on if you've got you know, a whole bunch going to a race or that yeah, know, yeah. it's, it's just how it is. And people think coaching, you know, live life, you travel and everything like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's the good part of it. But like any good football coach, right, you have a 65, 70% winning rate. And a 35, 30% losing rate. That's, a, that's still a fair chunk, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I'm that type of coach. If one of my runners don't hit what they're after, okay, I, you wear it hard. Mm. And you have to go back and go analyze and see, and you get feedback from your runner, right, to understand it. And then you go, okay, how can we do this differently? Mm. And if you don't research or study or talk to some of the best, okay, runners out there, you don't learn. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's just the way it is. So my, my sidetrack, because I remember meeting uh, South African guys, seven time um, winner of Comrades. Mm-hmm. And through two of our runners who were South African, Mm. Do you know? Do you know much about? No, keep going. Uh, And I got to meet him and I had lunch with him and spent like three hours just talking about his running and his coaching and, you know, what is that? that You can't, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't pay for that sort of knowledge. It's real life experience. Yeah. So that just... um, I just got this
1: image. They are they are literally soaking up the knowledge and experience from yeah. their yeah. group of runners, correct? And they're condensing it into their yeah. own understanding, and yeah. then they're passing that richness yeah. onto you. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Um, something co- I, I thank you for all of that. Like, there was, that was a really amazing passage, um, and one thing is like a massive a massive part of your life and identity. Is tied up in running and the running community, right? Correct. So what are you doing to keep the fire burning? Like, how do you
0: how do you not blow up? Like, You, uh, re- you have your moments, seriously. Yeah. Usually those moments are when there's a lot of self-doubt, okay? Uh, people sometimes looked at me as, oh, you're superhuman, you're doing this and doing that. Just like everyone else, you have self-doubt. Um, if you have a period where... Runners, and I'm not talking about like our top performing run. I'm talking all runners, you know, within that that I coach. Yeah. Okay. Because you've actually got a like you said, you've got a relationship with these people. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so if they're struggling, if they're running, you've got to try and work out why and put the puzzles together. And usually, there's a you know, it's it's not the running; it's outside stuff that has an impact. Sure. So you've got to try and help them with that. A lot of coaches don't do that. A lot of coaches just go go and sort your shit out mm. and come back to it when you're ready. Some people do like that, okay? Mm. And that that's fine. That, that's not my way. It's yeah. like, well, you've been part of the process or no, wrong choice of word. You've been part of the journey, right? For two years, three years, five. So I've, I've got nine, to no more than that closer to 22 runners that have been with me since 2012, 2013. And you get to know these people. So when they're struggling with their running, it's like you're part of it. Yeah. And they tend, we're like hairdressers. They tend to come and share a lot of things with you Mm -hmm. that's happening. And I don't just listen, I try and give advice. Um, And that's... Everything that I do with coaching is education. It's trying to educate people on how to be the best that they can be or they want to be. Mm-hmm. Same with the youth. My, I've been training youth since 2014. And. What age, uh, when we say youth, what age? Oh, there's two categories. So yeah. I do train. Five-year-olds up to 11, yep. they're the fun bit. Like, yep. let's not take it serious, right? And then you've got the youth that want to take it serious. But I try and go, no, guys, like, let's worry about it when you get past HSC. Mm. And I've just had my first bunch of HSC students. So I've been coaching them for five, six years now. Right. And wow. they've just finished. And they've actually turned to me and they go, oh, we remember you saying four or five years ago, be patient without mm. running because schooling is going to take up a lot of time. And Mm. it does. Mm -hmm. And we could talk about youth and athletics and how they all go about it. And I think it's way too much and why we lose a high percentage by the time they get through HSC, but it's a conversation for another day. Awesome. Um, But the one thing I said to him is, we live by, you have to have a voice youth have to have a voice, especially the girls, especially the females, right? You have to have a voice in this world. Don't let people suppress you or shut you down, okay, or not allow you to talk. You have to have a voice. And you keep reminding them of this because there's, again, different personalities. And one girl has been with me from the beginning she actually now she's come out of her shell and you know she's seventeen and she'll give me a bit of lip and cheek and everything and I don't mind that's personality. I just want to just stop
1: you there real quick to clarify when you say they need a voice and that's
0: actually feedback to you. That's no a dialogue with you. No, no, speak your mind. Okay. If you don't like something, tell me or right. tell the other people. If someone's bullying you at school, tell someone. Right. You've got to have a voice. Okay. So that's clearly something you're seeing quite a bit as yeah, a coach. Absolutely. Right. And you see when the youth rock up and they're not themselves, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's, kids are supposed to be laughing and having fun. Yeah. Right? We can learn a lot off the youth. Yeah. But they now that they're getting to that age, they're like, they will give me cheek. They'll be banter. They'll say inappropriate things, right? Mm. I'm not their parent, okay? I want them to just be themselves. However, all of them have learned to have a voice, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's a pretty cool thing as a coach to hear, you know, you walk away and it's been a session where it's been full of banter or if they're told something that's happened to them at school and this is what they've done. Mm. It's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. And it, it's the one thing from when I first, so when I first started working for myself, and I said, "What is one thing that I want to achieve?" And the simple answer was, "Is if every person's path that I cross, that either work with me or end up coaching mm-hmm. or that they can take one thing away from me, then I've done my job." Mm-hmm. And you have a massive impact right across mm. a broad range of people. Mm-hmm. Life is education. I kind of look at myself as an educator. Mm-hmm. Some look at it as a coach. Yeah, you are a coach. But life's a journey. Life's about education. So this is a nice little segue. So you're always learning and
1: evolving, right? Absolutely. So what are your athletes teaching you?
0: Ooh. Adults, it's a tough one. Um, patience. And you've gotta think of yourself as a mirror because if, if I was cranky all the time, okay, or like, you know, yelling or screaming, and some of my athletes will say that I'm cranky all the time and yelling and screaming, not really, but they have that perception. It's not a good image for your athletes. So they teach me be patient mm-hmm. to be calm to listen right and then when need to okay be there and just give them the right advice talking mainly through coaching right and a good leader is one that listens right just stay silent okay and then offers the advice and i don't get it right all the time okay anyone who says yeah i'm a hundred percent full of bullshit no one's 100% Mm -hmm. perfect in life okay but I'm that type of guy that is like yeah if I'm not doing what their expectations are I'll go away and analyze myself and come back and go yeah okay Mm -hmm. I can do that so that's what they teach me it's just popped into my head um
1: we're almost done cool um in terms of failures so you're coaching you're coaching athletes to go on and achieve um their goal their mm-hmm. personal goal, mm-hmm. whatever that is, at any level, right? right? And you coach them and they don't meet their goal or they don't, you know, they fail. Like we spoke about race day. Is it fail? Or they don't meet their goal, Yeah. what they set yeah. out to achieve. Um, so it's a loss. They could, you know, definitely get down. I, I could say that they'd get down on themselves if they don't achieve that. Absolutely. And you're connected quite closely with these athletes, right? Mm hmm. So how do, you, how do you then recover with the
0: athlete through that um, failure? Reassur- reassurance, yep. acknowledgement, okay, and keep reminding them that that race is not a reflection of their ability. Because as a coach, you have to set realistic levels for each runner and be upfront with them. Yes, this is what you can achieve. Or, no, we're overshooting. How about we do this? And I'm that coach, and uh, with one of my top runners who's just come back from having children, um, 100K race in four weeks. And we met last week, and I said, No, your body's not quite there. Um, like the core, she had twins. So, like, yeah. you know, and as a coach, everything is about trying to keep things positive. So I said yeah. to her, Let you. You'll be good for the fifty, hundred. we get through that, you'll have a good race, and then we look past that, all right? And that's what you've got to do with every athlete. Just try to keep instilling the belief, okay, that I see that in them. Hmm. A lot of athletes, including myself, sometimes we don't, we take for granted our own ability or we lose sight of our, you know, mm-hmm. what we can do, mm-hmm. And it's about having that coach next to you that go, yeah, it's one race. It is a reflection of nothing it's in your life. It's perspective, right? Absolutely. And you've just got to be there for the coach. It's like that as the coach, the arm around the shoulder. Okay, Acknowledge, obviously, and then, you know, just work some, it hits harder. Um, and, you know, I've got runners, that male and female, that the mental... Battles are hard for them, and as a coach, it can sometimes it does get frustrating because you don't seem to be making ground. But then something will happen, and you'll go, "Right, yeah. you're actually progressing." It's it's awesome. Yeah. So, and that's, that's that's the reason I do it. It's like, and they're the things you asked me before: the fire in the belly. That's why I coach because I'm actually helping people. You know, progress and move and sort things out, mm. okay, within their running world, and some of it's on life, and it's mm. a pretty cool thing to be able to do. I reckon so too. Um,
1: what's your strength as a coach?
0: I. <laughs> or what do you believe your strength is as a coach? Um, at the end of the day, I just want the best for them. Uh, it's not. I'm not driven by success some people think having runners that achieve Olympic level okay or winning races okay is the highlight of a coach's career they're added bonuses there's not many coaches in the world that can you know put their hand up and say I've got All of these runners that have reached Olympic level, there's probably a dozen. uh, Wouldn't be that many. There's only two in Australia Mm. at the moment. Who, luckily enough, I've met, and I've got one of my runners working with one of those top athletes. That's the coach I am. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's like you need to create those opportunities for your runners, so that I. Always look at those things, the best opportunities for runners, okay, and what I can help in them creating something for them. That's that's my strength. Um, You know, having opportunities to take runners over to international races, okay? It's not about, look at us, this is where we're going. It's opportunity for them to see running outside of Australia. That's why I took my youth to Japan for 10 days, Because we, I think the running in Australia is just so repetitive for the youth. Mm. We get caught up in it and it's like, oh, it's not really exciting. Took them to Japan for 10 days, Mm. right? They're like, the experiences for them, right? is enormous. That's opportunities. And I always say, create experiences and opportunities for everyone. Yep. And that just comes back down to that thing that I said before, caring. Mm. Like, that's why I do it. I remember talking
1: to um Joe. What was the race he did? Uh in, in China? The, no, in the States. Uh Silver Rush. Silver Rush. Yeah. I remember talking to him when he got back from that. it was a fifty mile,
0: was it? Fifty mile. Fifty rate. mile race. Okay. Yep, three thousand meters elevation. And
1: he came back from that and his he was a different guy. Yeah. Like his eyes had been opened, like just to the the opportunities, the community, the people he was meeting over there, he was a different guy when he came back and, yeah, that's that's the amazing
0: thing when you go and you travel for your sport Absolutely. and stuff and you see these things. And we said it at the beginning, you know, when I was chatting today after our long run with one of my runners, it's like, a lot of runs will be cancelled this year and it's like, well, we need to use that as an opportunity to go and explore what else is out there. Yeah. Because we do things okay in Australia. I like It's brilliant. Some of the trails we have are absolutely amazing. The world is so accessible these days. It's like, get out there and explore it and mm-hmm. see it. Some amazing places out there. And as a coach, my career is probably kind of, you know, not winding down. I still move all right. But I think you move pretty <laughs> bloody well, man. But it's, you know... It's going to become more coaching. Yeah. right. But two of the best experiences I've had as a coach was last year, and that was pacing Kai in his 200 and Doug in. his in the Western States, 100-miler. Um, it's awesome because you're seeing different parts of the world. You realize how passionate. Like Western States, it was just amazing. Mm. But you're running with people. Okay, that are going through their own mental struggles up and down, so you're actually providing something for them while seeing a different part of the world mm. and creating new friendships. And it's a cool it's a cool thing, it's a cool gig that I do. Yeah. Um, last couple of questions, man. Cool. Um, real quick one, describe your perfect run. <laughs> 10 1600s on an athletics track for real i'm serious (laughs) i know you were thinking i might go mountains with the water and the birds flying in the background and everything like that i i love running fast there's something about it um and trail for me is absolutely awesome because you're in you're connected with like you know mother nature and it's beautiful but there's nothing better than getting on a track and just going yeah that was awesome and 10 10 1600s my session i love them animal you're an animal i love them um
1: (laughs) yeah okay last last question actually two more questions
0: what advice would you give your younger self hmm take a little bit more time in planning things I've always, I, I think I said during this, has been let's go and do this, okay? And that's how my life has been. No fear of doing anything. It's like, yep, feels right, sounds right. Let's go and do it. And I say this, but I'm pretty happy with the journey that I've taken. Mm. Feel if there'd been a little bit more planning in terms of my earlier life and setting some longer term goals, I would have been into my 25th, 30th year um, of life. I think people, if they plan, they sit down and work out what your real passion is. What is your passion in life? What do you want to jump out of bed every morning Mm. for? And find it early. It may change 10 years later, Mm. However, you've got to actually plan that. Planning mightn't be the right word. It's actually just sitting down with yourself and assessing and going, what do I love? So self awareness again. Yeah, isn't it? there we yeah. go. That's it, self awareness. Because I do say to a lot of people, I wish I was doing this from my early 20s. Yeah. It would have been absolutely awesome. However, I've got another 20 years in this, another maybe 30, so it's still going to be bloody awesome. And you had to,
1: I guess, not being too hard on yourself, but you had to take that path to know where you weren't going. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. The other thing, um, yeah, I I used to, well, I've caught elevators with people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I have a job what just,
0: you, you just yeah, jump in random one of my elevators
1: no but the, the the thought is like you, I've caught elevators with people and you just see them there and you kind of like that body language thing you know they're just in the elevator to get off at their floor punch the clock go home turn the TV on freaking flake out whatever yeah, and do the whole thing again and there's so much more to life than just freaking collecting a paycheck and and just letting time pass you by. Like it makes me angry to think about how people can waste their life like like that. Um, each their own, of course, um, but
0: it's just something I feel really passionate. It's the travelator about. of life, I was telling you For about sure. that I had to view outside that it was like, I don't wanna be like that. No. Someone once said to me that when you become content is when you should start questioning yourself. Because when you become content, it actually means that, yeah, I'm happy with just what I'm doing. And they said you should never yeah, you can be happy with what you achieve and what you're going through, but never become content because then life does just pass you by very quickly. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And as, un- for- unfortunately, 85% of the population, that's how it is. Yep. Sorry guys to say that. What are you gonna do? That's Get right. Out, live Get find off your, your ass. Passion. Yeah, find your passion, it can
1: be anything. Gary, that's um, how can people get hold of you and TRT?
0: TRTRunning.com. Okay. TRT Running Instagram, TRT Running Facebook. You're in Sydney? Correct. Sydney, we have athletes spread right across Australia and internationally Yeah, as well.
1: Do you, uh, for people that can't get to Sydney, do you do um, coaching remotely or anything Absolutely. like Absolutely, yep. yes. Yeah, Wicked. Um, thank you so much no, for your time thank you for having me on it's been um, it's been massive there were some moments there where I could really see you were really passionate about what you were talking about and I could feel that and um, <laughs> yeah, you brought amazing energy thank you and um, I look forward to being able to go out for a run with you real soon Absolutely. and um, I'll be back good, it's <laughs> what I like to hear yeah. 100% <laughs> I'll be there Thanks, Ace. Awesome. And thank you, audience. Thank you. See you. Bye.